0: Yeah, it was 1985. And the venue was called The Concert Factory. It was originally called the Cuckoo's Nest, um, Costa Mesa, California. The vandals talk about it in Urban Struggle, that song, Urban Struggle. Uh, they talk about an incident that happened there between this guy, Pat Brown, and the cops. And there was a another bar next to it called Zoobies, which was like a redneck bar. So the punks and the rednecks would just fucking bloodbath it in the parking lot. Um, but I'd won tickets from KECI, which was in you know, California, University of Irvine. had a radio show much like KXLU. I would stay up late at night and listen to it on this like boombox I had. and just I would hit record and just tape stuff, you know? And I'd have headphones on and go on. It started like 10 o'clock at night. I was in bed, my mom was upstairs, you know, like all secretive stuff. But I won tickets on KECI to that show. My friend and I went and it was incredible it was fucking amazing DI open, which was the guys from a couple of guys from adolescence started just fell around DI man. yeah yeah. and uh, I remember this, this people were always handing out flyers you know what I mean and, and so this guy was handing out flyers for this Broken Bones show in LA it was a Golden Boy show he was probably like hired to do it or whatever and you know um, I remember he came up to me and handed me a flyer and I was like I was 14 years old 13 years old and I was like oh I got so hyped you know I was like oh man so cool you know like just this little kid not really knowing what's up or whatever like I'm like I love the broken bones and he just stared at me and punched me just punched me and I remember just being like mm-hmm. <laughs> like <coughs> I couldn't fa- I mean he wouldn't even fathom it today like why did I just get punched like I I just, yeah, I just yeah, like, took the flyer like but like that was just like a symptom of like much worse things and you would just get did you ever get beat up beat you up? Know? um yeah I mean in other instances you want me to, no I right. mean, yeah it's not worth talking about other like punk cliques and stuff like that you know like by yourself or
1: like, cause, like or was it you or was it like because you were involved in something or me um,
0: you know talking shit oh okay, you know, okay. Like things like that uh, but they they were deserved, you know. They deserved it or whatever. Okay. But, um but you know, you would just see people just get the shit kicked out of them, you know, or like people come up and be like, "Give me your ticket," you know, and you're like, "Oh shit!" You know what? And like, you just say what, and they just fucking beat the shit out of you. Oh shit! You know, like, or like, you know, also too, you know, outside of the punk thing, like the punks on punks kind of thing, you would just be walking down the street and someone would pull over and fucking punch you because you were punk. You know, like things were but like, so much different. You were, like, singled out, you know? Like, I so remember, you, were, like, you were going to punk shows and, like, being afraid of getting your ass kicked, and then you go to, like, walk... Yeah, I remember like, we, there was this place called... It was in Costa Mesa. There was a music... There was a record store called Music Market, and it was part of, like, a... There was a movie theater there and, like, a skate rink or whatever, and we would all just hang out there, and I remember these guys just fucking jumped us. I wasn't super punk-looking because I was into hardcore, you know? Like, it was, like... You know, like a, a flannel on a fucking shirts and vans or whatever. But uh, I remember I had some friends, especially this kid Blackie. He was like all leathered out with the fucking spiked hair and all that shit. And dude, these fucking jocks just fucking jumped us and essentially beat us up. You know? I remember I had like braces and shit. I'm I had to go to the orthodontist like two days later because your teeth were laugh fucked up. Because it just ripped up. You know, like ripped my fucking braces open and all this shit and like. You know, like you'd go home and you'd be like, your mom would be like, what the fuck? And you'd be like, no, these kids jumped at us. You'd be like, what really happened? You'd be like, nothing. Like, I got, these jock dudes beat us up, you know? And it was just kind of like, it was, a different, it was a different time. You know, again, we were talking earlier about like, punk broke and punk broke again. You know, punk breaking in the 90s <clears throat> normalized that to a degree, it was on MTV. Green Day's on MTV, the guy's got fucking red hair or whatever, you know, fluorescent hair. Yeah. Like, but, you know, Dwayne Peters said it early, you know, he said it, he's like, hey, when I shaved my head in 1980 or whatever, or 79, it was war. Everybody's a hippie. You know, it was like, you know, I was like, I'm punk. I shaved my head. You know, I'm I'm wearing a fucking Sex Puzzle shirt. It was like, oh, you're fucking, you're a target now. You know what I mean? Like, people think you're whatever, and they're just after you. You're just different, you know what I mean? And so, that's a, a big part of, like, that people, just like culture's changed, you know what I mean? Like, you you know, you see Mohawks or whatever, and you're like, oh, god, a Mohawk. It's not like, well, that's, you know, that's fucking cool. crazy, dude, because, you know, back in the 80s, like, that's insane. How do you live, how do you go to school? You know, like, you'd ask these questions. Now it's like, that's fine. Yeah, there's a guy with the on Instagram that, like,
1: like could you pay him and put like something on his mole? you Yeah, that? yeah, no, I mean,
0: but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, it's like you know, now it's normal. Like you dyed your hair or something. That was fucking. You were a freak, you know. And yeah, people would fucking want to fight you. Because for whatever reason, like it's like intimidating to wow. Yeah, yeah, you're different. You're weird. They don't understand it. It's crazy, you know. It's like so that was a, that's that was part of fucking. Like, What's good. Laugh
1: now, die later. Your favorite podcast, the coolest, the rawest, the ghettoest, but the realest Did I say that already? Anyways, the best podcast because we speak nothing but the truth. We get the real the real deal out of our guests, and we ask the real questions. Today, I got an OG. Um, I mean. I, I don't want to say just in hardcore overall rocker overall over, uh, over, yeah you're a rocker you're a rocker more than a hardcore kid I'll take a rocker yeah yeah I was looking at the pictures of di- um, discogs of like you and your other bands it's yeah, yeah. like straight up like leather uh, what was it called denim jackets long hair sure just just like as real as it gets my guest today is Sam James Aveldi how you doing sir I'm good man.
0: Yeah do good Thanks for having me on
1: Yeah um, One thing I've I've gone in After going to So many people's houses It's like Someone's house Says a lot
0: About the person Yeah what does mine um, say
1: Yours says like as oh, gee Because it's so clean Yeah It's so clean But it's so uh, Like there's a lot of stuff But it's all like Spread around It's like very What's the word It's very thought out Okay You know what I mean And I guess I mean your home I, Someone's home I guess is Without that's one thing I've learned. It's what it says is the most about a person. Yeah, yeah. Also your I, shoes. I, I agree with that too. My shoes? No, no. Shoes are a, a one. Someone's told us. Someone told me that shoes is a big thing. What shoes do you got? You got oh you got the samba so it's like they're, they're gazelles actually. Oh gazelles there you go. Yeah they're all gazelles. But um how you doing sir? I'm doing good man.
0: Yeah yeah
1: hanging in there yeah. How's life treating you nowadays? <sighs>
0: good, like yeah. I, I would say measurably pretty good. How long have you been sober? I've been sober for just <clears throat> just over five years. And you're 53? Yeah.
1: So you got sober at 48? Yep. What do you think it took you, like, I mean, yeah, I think 48 is like a, a little bit older, like, because one thing uh, I think Henry Rollins said is like, do you get to a certain age where you can be fixed. You know what I mean? Where some people just like you, like, I've been having this conversation with my mom lately where she's, you know, trying to change, but, like, I kinda of told her, I was like, there's some things you kinda of learn when you're young, and you try, you know, you, you kinda of like dabble, you fight, that's what I'm doing right now, and, you, and one thing I know about myself is that a lot of, a lot of, a lot of my strong characteristics are gonna come out when you're young. And for someone to be sober
0: at 48 is kinda of surprising, don't you think? Well, I disagree with Henry. Okay. 100%. Um, anyone can change, and the key to change is the willingness to change. So if you have willingness to change, like you're like I really want to change, I really want to make a change in my life, right? Um, then you have the, then you have the you have an opportunity to do that. You know, if you don't have the willingness, if you're not you know willing to change, then you won't. You know, and I, I strongly believe that whole like it's never too late philosophy for anything in life. Whether you pick up a guitar at 48 or 18, it doesn't matter. You know, <clears throat> like you can learn a guitar and you can do things with the guitar. So I i uh I disagree with Henry um, you know it's not the first time, but I do have three black flag tattoos so awesome. um but yeah i mean it, it it wasn't it wasn't late, it was on time, you know like uh, like I've been kind of wrapping my head around this idea of like you were exactly where you you're supposed to be in life that's where you're supposed to be, whether it's good or bad, <clears throat> that's where you're supposed to be you know and and sort of accepting that. And then what you do with that, right? So for me, you know, I think my struggle with alcohol abuse really came later in my life. I had a, a succession of death back to back to back to back, um, and I got a divorce, and um, all these sort of things happened in my I'll life. What was the time span. Um, It was a time spent of about four, three years. Four, three, three years? years. Three, four years. Four years. You just had deaths. How many? Yeah. If you don't mind me asking how many. Deaths? No, I lost my stepmom in two thousand four. I lost my um, my father in law in two thousand six. I, bro- I, I broke up with my wife in two thousand seven. Um, I lost my sister, my older sister, in two thousand eight, and my divorce was final in two thousand nine. And there were some other things that happened there. 2009, it was 2009, my aunt was, went into a coma. She was kicked in the head by a horse. So there was all this, a lot of, a lot of turmoil in, in my life, specifically in my family's life, in my associated family's life. So, and, and they were very, like my, like my stepmom was the one that died first. It, it, when we realized that she had brain cancer, she only lived a couple weeks after that. And then when my when my father in law, he was diagnosed with cancer. they gave him four days to live. He lived four months, but you know every time the phone rang, it was like a fucking bomb was going off. You know, like what the fuck did he? Is this is this the call?
1: Yeah.
0: You know, so and my wife at the time was that was just a lot to bear. You know, and, and death brings up a lot of like unresolved issues with people. So that was a lot of, and then you're watching your parents go through. The struggle of like you know, with my sister died, you know, like you like to watch your parents lose. A, a like family. you think they have it already, like they're older. And, and then, also, it's just like you know, they're essentially you're supposed to go before their kids do. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. sort oh. of thing. You yeah. know, so um, I think a lot of that, if I'm being completely honest, really just sort of like spin kicked me into um, into just partying, you know, as a way of, of as, as escape. You know, I was, and on one hand, I was trying to be strong for my family, which I was, but then behind closed doors or in another life that they weren't seeing, was me just partying, like a, you know, like really unsustainably partying. I was, I was certainly a functioning alcoholic, Mm. for sure, functioning alcoholic. But, um, but yeah, so there was a really like strong ten year. Just back to back. Me, just you know, ten years of my life that are kind of lost, not entirely lost, but the potential. You know, I lost. A, I lost. A, there was certainly a loss of opportunity there.
1: You know, what is that, what, what opportunities that were were missed. I mean, whether it's work or anything. A, a, you like? know,
0: healthy relationships is one, and and yeah, like career stuff. Mm. You know, advancing in in, in certain parts of my life that where I was just being irresponsible I kind of just said fuck it in a lot of ways you know I just kind of said you know fuck fuck it I don't really care
1: I don't mean to sidetrack mm-hmm. but I, I I do want to ask because I've lost two friends this year do you do, by any chance when you when you were experiencing those losses did you ever feel or think like like because I'm thinking about that recently like I said like, oh, I'm gonna die like not not that like I'm like someone's out to get me it's more like oh well like like, like, who's gonna die next? Like, cause I've lost a friend like literally in a month. Like, f- lost one friend, then lost another friend in a month. And now it's like, like every time I see friends or talk to people, it's like, oh, like this could be the last time we're talking. Like, it happens all the time.
0: Yeah. Did that happen to you? I mean, not necessarily, but it's something I do think about in certain situations, you know? And, and I think about it overall, like, <clears throat> life is pretty fragile. You never know, like, I could, you know, we could say goodbye to each other like you said, and then That's it. Let's get a glass of water really quick. Yeah. (laughs) That's just like, I guess that's just part of life in general. You know, it's it's unpredictable, and we sort of live on its terms. You know, so you know it's that thing where people always like, hey, make sure you say you know you tell your friends you love them, check in or whatever. That's that shit's real. Do you? Do
1: you? I mean, losing losing so many people in, in a span of a lot of years. Do you think you're more numb to death?
0: Like yeah, now that we hear people pass away, you're just for like, sure. Yeah, I don't know if it's an empathy situation, but it's a desensitized situation. And I'm actually, it's funny you should ask me that because I've been sort of really wrapping my ri- mind around that. You know, like um, I think we're desensitized to death in general because of um, how much access we have to different types of media. You know what I mean? And we're seeing death everywhere now. You know, like where it used to just be on the television, you know, and now it's like on our phones and it's like global and it's like everywhere. Um, But yeah, I think I've become a bit desensitized to death and I I think too because I accept it so well. Mm -hmm. And I won't get sidetracked, but there's this cat that lived next door to me and sort of adopted me Mm -hmm. and really just, was like, I'm, I don't give a fuck about the neighbors, like, I'm, you're my cat, you're my, you're my human, you know? <laughs> okay. And it's a, primarily an outdoor cat, and we had a pretty amazing relationship, sounds kind of goofy, but it's true, like, the cat was fucking amazing. Come over every morning, I let him in, he'd hang, you know, like, go out at night or whatever. And everyone, all my friends knew him. He's was a super charismatic cat. But i travel a lot, you know, and I'd be like, right, I'm gonna leave, you gotta, you gotta go outside, you know? Do your thing. And every time I'd be like, I wonder if I'm gonna see him again. And I left recently, I was out in New York and, and I came back and I haven't seen the cat since. And kind of like every time I would like say goodbye to him, I'm like, I wonder if I'm going to see this dude. And I, That cat was around for like a solid like eight years and I haven't seen him in like a week and a half. And I, I'm, I'm like struggling with this like, am I sad or should I be a lot sadder? But I think that I like I'm just kind of always accepted that he was never going to be around forever. Mm-hmm. You know. Hmm. So, hope that answered your question. What do you
1: think has a bigger role in your des- desensitization? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and your and your being des- desensitized. Yeah, um, yes. is it you think? Is it more like just dealing with a lot of like specifically your your, your um, journey with like those ten years or just age?
0: I think it's a lot to do. I think it's a combination of both. To be honest with you, I think experiencing some really pivotal death in the family and associated family, you know, and then of course, you know, friends, I had, my best friend died when we were both 20 years old. Um, And that was like, he died of an aneurysm. Was that an aneurysm again? It's, uh, I couldn't scientifically tell you exactly what it is, but it's something in, him was a brain aneurysm, right? And so it's like, um, I wanted to say, something pops and you're gone, you know? He was actually lifting weights when he died. They had brain aneurysm, and they're really hard to like detect, and he just died instantly. So that was one of the first like shocking deaths, you know? But I think going through such a concentrated, a time of such concentrated death, you know, with, what was it, four or five deaths? Um, but then, yeah, you put on top of all the experience with death as getting older you start to really just sort of like, it's just a it's just big, huge fact of life, you know? Do you think life is real? Do I think life is real? Yeah. Yeah, and here's the thing with death, is like, part of death is the acceptance of it, you know, like, I accept death. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I like, because it's just like, it's just, it's final, man. There's not a lot of negotiation. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like, so... Do I think life is
1: real? Yeah. Like a lot of people make the argument that's like we're just a fragment of our imaginations and that like nothing's real. And I've had this talk with like a lot of smart people where like I look up to where they're like, some people say that it is, like, you know, life is as real as it gets, and some people are like, Well, are we really here, you know, type situation? Is this all like you know what I mean? It's, it's like a favorite also. Yeah.
0: I think life, if we're getting into like actual life, like birth and death and growing, you know, like Plants outside, or whatever. I think life is actually real. I think what we in our what happens within our mind—that's a question of reality or not reality, because of it. we can create all types of reality in our mind, right? And that can be very like hard to figure out sometimes. You know, we can we can future trip, we can fantasize, we can live in the past, we can we can. Create narratives other people can create narratives that then, they're projecting on us so like that's I think that's the part that becomes hard to decipher essentially what's real sometimes but I think life is 100% real and, and uh,
1: just your age and accepting death and being I guess a rocker for a long time how does that play a role in you being like a multi, like you're in bands, you're in a punk band, then you're in a rock band, and then you're in uh what's Then now you're managing bands, like like do you think just like what pushes you to do all these things? Like just to not stick in one thing. Like I'm not just a musician, I'm not just this like
0: Well the common denominator to to my life, honestly, and is just music. And um that's the one thing that's never that's always been hyper important to me. Like I don't never really cared about anything as much as music mm-hmm. like that's what motivates me in life you know and and that's what i relate to the most in life <clears throat> and like you know i grew up really primarily listening to punk and hardcore and hard rock and eventually metal and but then really just started to like become just sort of a, like a voracious music fan You know, like I really like all types of music and I'm kind of obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with not only like the songs, but, you know, the the meanings of the songs and the people that wrote the songs and the environment that they wrote them in. And and how this record differs from this record and what was going on in their lives and what they're trying to say. You know, so the common denominator for me is just music. That's what what keeps me going. It's just... um, might sound corny but it's like music has always been there Mm -hmm. always been there no matter what whether you're happy or you're sad or you're fucking in between or whatever it might be i associate kind of everything with music or i go to music for those emotions you know if i'm sad i'll put on a record that i want to be sad to. you know or if i'm like i feel fucking hyped you know I'll put something on or something or something will come on or i'll hear it somewhere it'll get me hyped
1: yeah
0: you know um so that's like, that's for me. And and playing music, like I've never wanted to ever do anything the same twice, you know, mm. and because I've just been really motivated and inspired by music, and gone through sort of phases of my life where I'm really leaning hard into this or that, or, <clears throat> or it's just an emotional, um, it's a way of expressing my emotions. Like, you know, like I, I don't want to express my emotions with DB. Mm. For the rest of our life, yeah. you know, and nothing against TV. I love fucking TV. You know yeah. what I mean? But that's not like I don't consider myself a linear person. I try. I've always considered myself sort of a multi-dimensional person. You know, um, so it's like the Clash. Like they weren't just like a punk band. they're The Clash. Yeah. You know, they yeah. like they're fucking dabble with fucking reggae and, and 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 you know music of the West Indies like ska and reggae and and you know. Rock and roll, just like, like down and dirty rock and roll, but like early rock and roll, yeah, like yeah. you know Elvis Presley and James Vincent, you know, and and of course, you know, in, you know Joe Strummer came from a folk background, you yeah. know, so like about like that shit, is, to me that's like that, uh, that's how I feel about music, just in terms of how I listen to it.
1: You know? I, it's yeah. important that you say that. Uh that you care about, like, w- like you care, like, about the record and who the person was, like, and stuff like that, the environment they were in. Because I think one thing that I share between people who just go to hardcore shows or just go to punk shows or whatever, I mean, at shows, and someone who really loves it is when, like, they care beyond just the riff, and you know, they're like, who's that? Like, why? Oh, he's wearing this. He's wearing that. You know, where's he from? You know, and you care like all, all these small details, and I think that leads to caring about community cuz i know you're you're a big part you you recently put together the thrasher the thrasher deathmatch event yeah so <clears throat> explain like being a rocker and being and like and finding the importance of community whether it's through art just a gig and all that
0: yeah well i mean that's kind of part of what was so alluring about punk music you know when i when i kind of when i discovered punk and when i started to go to shows you know it was like <clears throat> you start to see certain people at the same shows or, or whatever, or you start to pay attention to <clears throat> like clicks or whatever it might be, or, or you start to just understand things more, you know, and you're like oh, so this person put on the show and this person's doing this and that person's doing this, and then you start to learn about communities within like musicians mm-hmm. like these guys are friends with these guys, or you're pulling out the album and you're looking at the thank you and it's like they're thanking all these bands, mm-hmm. you know, from all over the country <clears throat> you know, it was like something you was very prevalent like the 80s and 90s, you know? And so, starting to understand that and then like, you know, like the early <clears throat> onset of hardcore and, and punk, like the community that like, had booking shows, you know, it was like, I think Ian McKay said, it, he's like, you know, DOA had started it, they had the list. You know, like they had a list of like, people that were put on shows across the country. They were kind of the first North American band to really do it. And then like, basically Black Flag got the list. You know, and then Black Flag, did use the list and then they expanded upon the list and then like that sort of network builds and that's like a that's, you know like a, a national community of people that are invested in like punk and hardcore shows right and so you start to understand that <clears throat> and then like it was super inspiring and then to start to feel like you're part of it by just showing up to a show, too, yeah. you know, and, like, you're like, hey, man, you're like, oh, hey, how's it going? Like, and you start to see people and build this other community outside of, for me, like, outside of, like, where I lived locally and outside of, like, my high school because there was really nobody in my high school that there was, like, three or four people that liked hardcore, like, two or three. Yeah. You know, maybe seven people like punk at the time. Yeah. So it's, like, you start to, like, feel, you start to... Feel a sense of community as you're a part of it, <clears throat> and then you start to participate in that that sense of community. You know, it's like, how do you participate? Well, like maybe your friend like takes some photos and decided to put together a zine, and you know that was like at the time was like pretty was fucking cool. You know, yeah. I get to talk to these bands, and you know, or like you know or someone's putting on a show, or you start playing music, and, and you've you sort of like made these relationships with people, and they start giving you an opportunity to play the show. And so that, that's one of the alluring things about punk and hardcore from the onset to me. And it's still happening. That's what's so fucking cool about it. Like it, the chain has never been broken. Yeah. It just gets longer, it gets bigger, you know? And then you start to think about applying those kinds of things to like other parts of your life, you know? Like what? Well, you know, it's like, it's funny because during the pandemic I started volunteering in watts down at nickerson gardens you know we we would go down there thursday nights and we would prep groceries and then we would hand them out friday mornings right you know it's like from the onset i just showed up and hey this is what you do grab a bag whatever you know and as time progressed doing it for three years um you start to have a stronger foothold in the community you start to have a stronger foothold in the, the people you're doing in. There's trust, and there's there's reliance, and you're of service. You start to believe you can actually make a change. Yeah, and you're of service, yeah, you know, yeah. but, um, and so, like, you know, and again, then people are like, especially during the pandemic, you're putting on Instagram, you're like, what, the, what are you doing, dude? Like, what's up? can I come down there? Like, and I was like, dude, come on down, you know, and we start to build community, right? You know, and it's like, the first person to kind of go down there was Flea. Mm. You know, Flea felt, he was like, I felt, he's like on the onset of the pandemic I was like cool I don't have to like work and I can just go surfing and you know all stuff and then he's like wait I'm a rich asshole I'm a privileged rich asshole so what I'm going to do is I'm going to rent a food truck and I'm just going to drive around and get people food and then a friend of his was like well you should do it here because a lot of the kids they were, that's how they were eating is going to school and now yeah, they yeah. don't go to school so they're missing out on a full meal or two meals a day right And then, so that's kind of like the spark and then it's like this other person's like, well, I I have access to like organic produce and there's so much extra produce and all these people start to get involved and there you go, you start to build community. And I I just think that's, to me, that, that feels fairly natural because of something like punk and hardcore, you know? And one thing you did say earlier is that you started
1: liking punk, hardcore, and then metal. I've heard a lot of stories, and some people say like liking hardcore and metal, like those two were things were divided, or like all these communities of, of subgenres were divided. And but then some people say it's like it was everybody kind of like, like, like like each
0: other, you know what I mean? Or kind of like, what, what, what do you think? Oh, well, my experience was, you know, I, I think when I first got into punk, it was like. <clears throat> Everybody outside of punk was kind of like the enemy in a weird way. Mm. Like metalers were kind of like, kind of, you know, like that wasn't punk, and yeah, you know, punks didn't like metalers and all that stuff. <clears throat> and then hardcore came, and it's faster and it's more aggressive. And then of, of course, the, the marriage of like punk hardcore and metal is thrash. Yeah, but it was like that thing where you're kind of like exploring and understanding, and you see people like, especially in the early 80s, with like Motorhead shirts and Motorhead jackets, and are a metal band? I, you know, and, no, okay. and like, you started to, like when the Cro-Mags and came out, and like the second, on uh, front record, like this shit's kind of metal, you know? And I remember I had this older punker girl in my art class, and <clears throat> she was cool. I was a little intimidated by her, but she was super cool. And she was like, "Yo, you got to get into metal." And I was like, "Yeah." And I, I liked hard rock because my sister had turned me on to all kinds of music, and she liked Arryl Smith and stuff like that. And um, I was like, "What's up?" She's like, "You got like all the like English, like punk bands are going metal. You know, English Dogs, Broken Bones, Discharge went metal first, a hot second. You know, it was like there was a lot of them were crossing over." And and then at that time, you know, you, you started like seeing like you know the first Dri Seven Inch and and things like that. So. Um, I was kind of like us. Oh, really fascinating, in Croatian conformity, you know, in like '86 or whatever, '85, '85. You know, they put out animosity or whatever. So <clears throat> these bands were touring and they're playing on shows, and shows at that point were <clears throat> weren't linear. They weren't like eight straight edge bands. Eight, this they were like a mix of bands. Mm. You know, it was just like SSD Control be playing with Dead Kennedys or whatever. You know so it's all kind of converging but I remember like hearing Motorhead I just went like holy shit this is fucking amazing I love this but it was Metallica when I first heard Metallica I was like what the fuck yeah. you know what I mean it was like this is it was just a, it was like a logical step yeah. you know what I mean yeah. um, but, at, but at that point it was like I was completely into like the of conformity and accused and you know, a lot of stuff but also listening like Uniform Choice and um, you know but yeah I don't know it, it's just like they just kind of started to bleed into each other okay so know? time and then also too was like you know that type type of metal wasn't like hair metal or anything so you had Slayer and Sodom and Metallica and, and it was kind of dis- disenfranchised even from its genre you know what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. like it wasn't like
1: were there be fights basically, like, amongst, like, hard? Like, I think I th- we talked once a long time ago. I think it was. I'd have been running out to 720. I was doing Merch Player Card. And then you said, uh, like, you saw Morbid Angel, like, I think you said. I was wearing a Morbid Angel shirt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then there was a hardcore a punk band in the bill. But were there be fights from, like, let's say chrome was playing with, like, a metal band and, like, you know, full-started, like, two-stepping or, like, hardcore moshing?
0: Yeah, well, here's the thing. Growing up in Southern California, in the 80s and going to shows like you just never no one ever you never saw two-stepping it was just straight up California slam pit you know it was well, like a circle pit when did the like the hardcore watching well so but no I never really like saw like anyone fighting in terms of just like like I'm metal you're punk let's fight you know I just like never ever saw that that was more of like just know, a and, and, and there was like a, a great amount of punk gangs in LA in the 80s early 80s really specifically you know, um, so that's where you would see fighting, and that was really fucking violent, and scary. Um, but yeah, and but the in terms of moshing, really is with what the first time I really like, I guess, understood like moshing was when shows became just hardcore shows. You know, so like. Like, really, like in Orange County, like, you know, we were, there was, like, Uniform Choice kind of set off Orange County hardcore in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And they're sort of, like, introduced a lot of people to Ethan Today, and, you know, they had the record label Wishing Well, and they put out an Ethan Today record, and, you know, like, 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 shows kind of started to homogenize it in more in a hardcore versus a punk thing. Mm-hmm. And then you started to see the influence of, like, the East Coast. You know, like oh, you yeah. started, like Youth Crew things started happening, and Chrome mags and Nostick Front, and of course like you know SSD and all that kind of stuff. So that's when it kind of started to feel more like moshing. It was like kind of coming out instead of this big California circle pit thing, you know? Damn. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. I, so And then of course, like in the 90s, I feel like moshing really, like, there was an evolution to it. You know what I mean? Like a huge evolution to, to moshing in the 90s. Hmm
1: and okay so when, when marauders started or because of where i heard it's like when marauders started doing the like whole spin kicking thing yeah how did it like translate right away into the west coast or did it like it took like a couple years um i, I want to just imagine like when did los angeles
0: was there like spin kicking hardcore well i see here's the thing i moved in 1990 i moved to oregon to go, oh, to, go to college so like really like in, you get to eugene oregon in 1990 you know, and I'm wearing like an outspoken shirt or something and people are just like, like never seen the, don't even know what that is. Yeah, <laughs> You know what I mean? You're like trying to be like, dude, Orange County Hardcore or like whatever, instead, or you know, like, you're like are you into like, you know, and they're just like, no. You know, I remember going into this record store and talking, there's this record store open, an amazing record store, it's called Green Hell Eugene, and I was like, you in the Youth Today? And he was like, no, why would I be in Today the the when there's Marth Red? Mm. like that was kind of like an attitude yeah. you know and I was like cause you today rips you know like yeah. but but when I moved up there it was really at the beginning of the onset of like alternative rock and soap pop was really starting to emerge and I was getting kind of into that stuff too like the first band I ever saw when I moved to the Pacific Northwest was the Melvins mm-hmm. well that's the first band I saw in Oregon cause the first band I ever saw in the Northwest was Sam am seaweed and snuff as in Seattle at the OK Hotel and that was like really like the first week I'd moved to college and I just was like, I'm going to Seattle because I knew people up there. Greg from Brotherhood lived up there and a bunch of people, so I went up there. But, you know, the first man I saw in Pacific Northwest was a Pacific Northwest man, which is the Melvins. you know? And then I would see Poison Idea and, and just a lot of stuff like that. It, like moshing wasn't really a th- that, that wasn't really a thing. You know, like Pacific Northwest hardcore was like, that was Brotherhood, and then eventually Undertow and and some stuff like that. But so it was all stage dives, or um, a lot of stage dives, some circle pitting, that some moshing, you know. But it wasn't like it certainly wasn't Marauder, uh, like spin kicks and stuff. Because when I saw Trash Talk, the recent at the Roxy, it was
1: all like fools were just like you know spin kicking and like you know hard style, which is that's popular right now. Yeah, and I thought it was surprising. I'm like. Because I think Lee sometime, at some point mentioned to a crowd, he's like, stop, stop, yeah, like, moshing, Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, because he's stay.
0: a big proponent of the California style, which I fucking, I love that, uh, I am too, but I love that Lee really, like, he, like, really rides for that. Yeah, it's that just is, crazy. I mean, he just rides for California, and it's, like, that's yeah. just so fucking cool, but
1: it's just wild that, like, it's, like, now the other way where it's, like, in my head, like, well, just
0: from what I'm going to shows right now, it's, like, moshing is, like, the big thing. Well, it was, it's I like, was just in Australia with Scowl and Speed and Tsunami. You know, and Scowl has a bunch of fast songs, so they're used to like California Slam Pit when those fast songs come on, like you know, like California Circle, pad, circle da, Pit, da, da, and da. it's like those kids are just straight two-stepping mosh kids, spin kicking. You know what I mean? Like, and they kind of didn't know what to do on those fast songs. You know, they didn't, they didn't really even know like the California Circle Pit thing. Uh-huh. So they just they, everybody came to fucking like, everybody's wearing Air Oh, and yeah, the whole yeah, thing, yeah. And, you know, and like you know, the speed goes on, and it's like. The whole fucking room Is like that Um But yeah
1: Well just like how there's like Music trends Or fashion trends Or you know All these And, and hardcore and punk You're also older You've seen like, like you said earlier Like you come Like you've been around So long that you saw Like you know Punk gangs, And then you saw like you know all this. You know you saw you've seen a lot of things. One thing I want to ask you is your manager for Scal is that uh, just for the record I co managed Scal with my friend Ricky oh, Singh. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. No, but yeah,
0: my yeah. friend Ricky Singh, who also is the co-owner of Flat Spot Records. Hey, yeah, so that's the good thing you told me. Yeah. I just being yeah. uh, just you, giving him the shout out.
1: Yeah, shout out Ricky. <laughs> uh, so you co you co manage Scal, and uh, how do you think Card like one? I've asked this question many times. But I, I'm sorry, I'm excited to see what you have to say. Do you think hardcore punk has gone to the other side of the pun as as far as acceptance, where like now kids are just like, you know, not like educating themselves when they go to the show, where they're just like, you know, acting all crazy or like the passion sometimes is not there. Where, where punk is being so accessible that anybody could go into and every and everybody's going to a show. Yeah. Meanwhile, like in the early '80s, like some people were scared to go to a show. Early, you it's know. Time. So yeah. do you think like Yeah it's good that Kids are going to shows But do you think There's
0: a, I guess A line drawn Where it's like Okay maybe like This should be gatekept as, as No certain... I mean It's you know All genres have An evolution You know And it's like Again it's Like, what, what, like we're talking About the music mm-hmm. And then we're talking About the community Around it You know And, and I understand The gatekeeping thing Like hey we have Something special And we don't want it ruined And we've had it For so long and we kind of live by certain codes you know and and we've kind of that's really been instrumental in how we like kind of walk the walk that we do in our lives you know and so then when that gets sort of disrupted by something getting a lot more eyes and ears on it <clears throat> and people coming in because they see it on the internet or whatever um and like how does that affect the future you know it's and that's scary is not the right word at all. It's like, how does it affect the future? You know, I think it's, you know, I think post pandemic or pandemic, you know, people watching outsiders, we'll call them, watching, you know, these shows in 4K and be like, what the fuck, this is crazy. Like, you know, like they've never seen moshing ever. It's like, it's been around for forever. But I think like seeing so much of that you know, like 856 and things like that, bringing in that sort of like global accessibility to shows and people seeing it because it's a subculture and it's like practices are of a subculture. So like moshing to the outsider is like, that looks insane. Like these kids are potentially beating the living shit out of each other, but everybody's like having a good time. So that's like, I see that as an outsider to be super alluring, you know, it's like driving by a car crash. Mm -hmm. you know you're like fuck dude that looks crazy I don't want to look at or watching a horror movie like I hate them but like I gotta watch or roller coaster or whatever so it's like like I kind of see it like a timing thing you know and then of course you have like hardcore has always been something that's very that's been very youthful Mm -hmm. you know and it's been underground and as things are so incredibly exposed at this point Where do you find scenes of music? Honestly, like, there's not a lot. You know, back in the day, when I was talking about when we moved to the Pacific Northwest, that was sort of the onset of, what some people would call grunge or alternative music, and you still had like, Seattle had a scene, man. You know, that's where Nirvana came from, or whatever. And then you had like, you know, Athens, Georgia, that's where R.E.M. came from, they had a scene. Boston had a scene with Dinosaur Jr. and Mm -hmm. Buffalo Tom, or whoever, you know, it's like New York. And it has, now it's like this sort of global, we just kind of—it's just kind of there's just music everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. But like hardcore has a scene in almost every fucking major city. Oh, right? okay, okay. And it's like Boston's got a sick scene, Philly's got a sick scene, New York's got a scene, California's got LA and the Bay Area. You know what I mean? It's like, like there's a scene and it's tribal. You know what I mean? And that's never changed. It's always been that way. So then people are like tapping into that now, and it's fascinating to them. You know, there's this huge network of fucking underground hardcore bands. And younger, and it's, it attracts younger people, right? Mm-hmm. So it makes a great fucking story for an outsider. And it's alluring, like I said before. And I think that, and just younger bands coming up and younger bands getting out there and actually touring nationally, and internationally. And, and like again, our, our culture, we'll call it, we have our own shit, we've got fucking Sound of Fury. You know, we've got we've got all we got our own festivals and things like that. So it was really wild to see in 2022, like people sh- like these outsider folks show up to Sound Fury, mm-hmm. like even like music industry people. Mm. Like, what the fuck? This is so bizarre. You know what I mean? But again, it's an evolution. Of, it's an evolution. Things inevitably get bigger. It, it's like fucking black metal, right? True. Some black metal late '80s, like into the early '90s. Who the fuck would have ever thought that would be normalized? Yeah, true, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. Like, I like, mean, a lot of those kids are like Mosh and like scout All are also wearing like I've seen him from my like firsthand like wearing like Life lover shirts or like some like crazy or like Mayhem shirts. I'm just like yeah. They just like I guess you know it's they aggressive just,
0: music. Yeah. And, but you know it's like so, you know if you if you in, in that sort of idea like how the fuck did black metal ever become sort of normalized and become sort of bigger and whatever it's like in hardcore it's like how's it get bigger well it's like in this sense it's because bands go on tour Mm -hmm. and bands start to get bigger opportunities and it's just happening for hardcore and you have bands that a lot of younger bands that are also trying different things with the way they sound Mm -hmm. you know look at Zulu it's pretty fascinating like they don't do one just one thing you know it's pretty fascinating what they do like in terms of sonics and songwriting and things like that so um I think that stuff's kind of inevitable you know and here we are like and again we talk about trends like do we think it'll last do we know if it'll last no one knows I mean they also say history repeats do so you think history is going to repeat itself And the sounds where like it's going to go full circle well I mean punk broke in 77 right that's right like, so it's like punk sort of boiled up you know and had its <clears throat> of like big spark in the New York in the late 70s with the Ramones and television and you know Dead Boys or whoever makes its way over to England you know and the Sex Pistols kind of blow it out of the water you know they get tons of press and then it's like the industry kind of like comes in and co-ops that you know and tries to find the next Sex Pistols or the Damned or whatever and sort of like shapes it a little bit it's like and you get Generation X and all this kind of stuff and then you get New Wave mm. you know what I mean it's like and so, but then, you know, punk breaks again and again. It, it breaks again in the 90s with Green Day and Offspring, and like it was like another version of it. You know, these young people that are influenced by that, by the 77 and the early 80s, and and so, mm, okay. you know
1: what I mean, hey. so like,
0: like, hardcore to have kind of its, there's been hardcore bands that have come up and, and, and been successful you know, like I mean, I would consider Hatebreed a fucking a mm-hmm. successful band. They're still a band. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, or bands that like kind of came out of hardcore and like got into the mainstream, like Quicksand. You know, okay. they made those records on major labels. Okay. Yeah. Island, Def Jam, and Polydor. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like Island Records and Polydor or whatever. It's like, so I don't know what happens to hardcore as a, a whole. But at this moment in our lives, there seems to be a lot of a, a lot of attention to up, like what we would consider a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I drove down the street and knocked on some guy's door. I was like, "You heard a fucking you know like oh, they're yeah. know like, oh, the fuck you're talking about?'" Yeah. Like you know, because we don't have MTV anymore. We don't have these things. But in our community, it's, it's we've seen it become much bigger. Yeah, much bigger. You know, a hundred person show is now a three hundred person show or four hundred person show or whatever, and we're. You know a lot of hardcore bands like i think it was i forget who said it maybe it was the guy from singer from mind force i don't know like nobody like nobody starts a hardcore band to be big oh, different like, not close, yeah yeah, yeah whoever like that's just like it, and I, I thought that was great it's like no no one really does it's like really just like such a pure intention of wanting to play music wanting to express yourself and really i think in many cases it's like just want to be part of the community you know even when you. Talking to Scal, it's like, we just wanted to play shows with our friends. Like That was like a motivating factor, was playing local shows with our friends. And I think that, I feel like that's kind of like how it's always been, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, but now you're just seeing these bands b- get bigger opportunities. A lot of these bands that never intended to like, they wouldn't even think of it as like an actual like long-term career like have booking agents mm-hmm. and managers and stuff because they're getting so much opportunity and needing help to facilitate it or whatever. So it's an interesting time and I don't know what happens in the future as a full community. You know, if the whole if hardcore just becomes like a, like a genre that everyone knows about. Like who knows. Would you personally like that or no? Like if would you like tomorrow to see like every kid uh-huh. like having a I'll just put it this way. Again, music is the motivating factor for me, and I think music is so incredibly powerful on a political level, on a spiritual level, on a, a personal level, you know, for people to express themselves, and, and hardcore's typically had such strong messages involved with it, you know? Whether it was political, political, whatever, you know, lifestyle. So, like, I think, like, so much that music has been so incredibly inspiring to me that like for it to to inspire somebody else that might not even know about it is totally okay with me. Like I'm not I don't like as long you know I obviously want it to stay the communities to stay intact and the intention to stay intact. That's really really important. But in terms of music and people being inspired by hardcore bands like you know, like I would never try to stop progress. I you feel I mean? it, I, 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 I feel it. Yeah, cause, cause, look at, cause look at, even like Metallica, you know, someone might have like, you can't leave, you can't become a bigger band, like when they dropped the fucking Black album, the self-titled album. They definitely changed their sound or whatever, but that opened people up to like earlier Metallica and Slayer and, and yeah. you know, and those are fucking important records. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: I mean the way I see it, it's like, it's hard because I will never tell anyone like, not to make their bread, you know what I mean? Like if Scowl gets offered, or whatever band gets offered, like play Coachella, or play, I don't know, anything that prides a lot of money, I would never say no, you know what I mean? Because it's like, and not to like sell out for the money, but it's like, like when opportunities come, well, take it.
0: Me, let, me let me interject this too, it's like, it's, it's not necessarily about the money though either, you know, it, and a good friend of mine passed away um, earlier this year, his name is, oh I I said this to me once. I was actually buying a Henry Rollins record mm-hmm. in Orange County at this place called, I think it was called Vinyl Conflict in Huntington Beach. But we started talking about punk and hardcore and straight edge and, and I remember he was like, yeah, the, the issue with straight edge or the issue I have with straight edge isn't the philosophy, it isn't any of that stuff. It's the fact that just straight edge bands play with other straight edge bands, two straight edge kids, right? And so it's like they don't, they're completely preaching to the converted. Mm-hmm. So how do you make change, right? As a, like, Myron Threat spoke to the world. You know what I mean? Like, that got to the world. And so it's like, if I want to make change and turn people on to like a straight edge lifestyle, then I probably got to go out, and play my music for people that aren't straight edge. Mm-hmm. Right? And so it's like, for a band like, for a hardcore band to play Coachella, it's also an opportunity to, to, to send this message out to people that might never fucking get to hear this shit mm-hmm. and that's that is preaching to the non-converted and that's where you make change as a band mm. okay you know what i mean uh, yeah. if you're just playing to the same people that are like i believe you're cool it's like okay well I, I gotta get around you and also like play the people that don't believe me because mm-hmm. i'm here to fucking tell them what's up mm. interesting okay right hey. like if like Rage Against the Machine didn't get out and play to people and like try to s- spread a message of a political message you know so many political messages and, and I remember like you're, on a, you're a fucking bunch of sellouts you're on a major label they're like Bob Marley was on a major label mm-hmm. Bob Marley sp- spread a huge message of love massive he was also political mm-hmm. so for us to like get our message out and get it everywhere in the fucking world we're gonna do it on Sony Okay. Okay.
1: So, yeah. Yeah, I get t- you should.
0: Know, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's like we'll I'm it say not saying you have to become part of the fucking part of the machine or any of that kind of stuff. but yeah. it's just an interesting argument, or not even an argument, when you talk about things like Coachella. It's like here you are, you have this opportunity to play for people that have never heard your band, mm-hmm. and to maybe be turned on to something like, like. Scal Knock Loose and Soul Glow at, at Coachella is like maybe one of the first handful of times you've seen three thousand people fucking circle pinning mm-hmm. at Coachella, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, whether they've done it before or just figuring out, that might actually be their first punk hardcore show. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like, but then a lot of hardcore kids or whatever are at Coachella. Yeah, just yeah. not because they Scowl was playing They just go to a job, a job Because hardcore kids Also like other types of music
1: yeah, yeah Do you know what I mean? Yeah So Interesting Well Let's go back to your life You're You're older And you said you got a divorce And you've been through a lot What do you think Do you think Did you ever Or do you think you're ever Going to Convert to like Normal suburban Or like Just normal life because now you're like, this guy, I started the electric chair show. And I'm like, that's crazy. You're like, you're going to go see electric chair at a bar in Boyle Heights. Like, that's cool. Like, it's like, a lot of people, like, rest in peace to a memo who, who passed away. I remember, like, talking to him when I was like, because he was like 30. He just passed away when I was 30. And I had one of the last conversations we had before he passed. He was like, I was like, Are you think you'll ever, like, you know, not that it's a bad thing. Like, it's like, but do you see yourself personally, like, going to shows at a later age? And he's like, Dude, he's like, I'm going to be, like, you know, rest in peace. But like, he's like, I'm going to be, like, 60 with like dyed hair and like still going to shows, which is not a bad thing. It's like it's cool, it is just like I feel like just life, you know, like sometimes it doesn't let you do all these things. And I feel like you're fortunate enough that like you've done what you do, like you know, whether it's life choices or or like professional career choices. Yeah, like you're still like it's cool. Like when I started with electric chair, I was like, that's cool. Yeah,
0: like, I was like,
1: that's crazy. Like, I love, I, I love electric chair by the way. Electric Chair's the fucking best punk yeah, yeah, man yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but um, like do you ever think about like damn, like. Maybe maybe I shouldn't be doing this, or maybe I should just
0: like, or um, uh, no, I don't think about that I shouldn't be doing it ever, uh, never. You know, again, music being the common denominator in my life, you know, like um, I really enjoy seeing bands play and in real time, and and um, and still being a part of the community, you know. So I don't. I made it this far doing this I, I don't I can't I don't have a crystal ball so I can't tell you what I'll be doing when I'm 70 you know I might just be like I don't really want to go to the show when my back hurts or whatever but um, as long as like I'm able and something inspires me to get out of the house and see it you know it's like it's funny because I I saw you at that show and I, you know, I bought two zines at that show and, and hung out with a bunch of friends that I hadn't seen and you know, we ultimately just talk about fucking music, and you know, got to see um, Electric Chair for like a, the second or third time. And I just had them play Thrasher Deathmatch, so, yeah. you know, and I did a show with them <clears> this <throat> the summer with Thrasher in Minneapolis. Them and Public Acid and Big Laugh. And um, yeah, I mean, as far as I, as far as I know, like I have every intention to just keep doing what I've done my whole life. You know? Yeah. Like, uh, it's like, it's interesting because it's part of like my social life in a way too, you know? Like, I go there and it's like, I see my friends. Yeah. You know, or maybe I meet somebody, a new friend or whatever, you know? Um,
1: there's a, there's a layer. Like, we ran into each other. you know Yeah. What I mean? And we're like, how many years apart? We're like 30 years
0: apart. I don't even know how old you are I'm 20 yeah so our 30s are probably we're still we're both like electric chair yeah Yeah, we're both hyped yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got a savage head button on you know like violencia button and those are fucking sick bands and we can communicate on that level you know what I mean Um, and that's the level I've it's a big level I've been communicating out my whole life you know is that connection between music yeah
1: one last question before we wrap this up Uh, there's a there's a lyric by Ross on a on a Spice 7-inch is like being young uh, like I don't want to be young because it hurts so much or it hurts so much what would you give to advice to someone who's young who's like who's just who like who's feeling like they're going to get sucked into like I have to like live this normal life because you're someone who who you're making like you're making a career out of like being part of the community yeah. you know a lot of people like they're still part of the community maybe at a later age but they're still you know like, you know, they're like, they have double lives. You know, they're living like this. Sure. This, you know, they're doing something corporate, whatever. Yeah. Like, what would you say to someone who was just young and who's like, you know, like, by, like, they have their own life struggles, but they're also trying to make it to the gig, but they're also trying to figure out what they're going to do in like 10 years, like, just having this, like, kind of like clusterfuck of a, like, in your head all the time? You know, what would you say to someone, like, just trying to survive and being a rocker, you know?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, fuck that's amazing lyric. Yeah. Of course, Ross, you I know, mean, such a great lyricist, and I totally relate to that, you know. It hurting as a young person because, you know, growing up, it, you know, it's, it, it, it's tough. You're trying to figure out who you are and, and navigate all these other people around you that are doing the exact same thing. Yeah, you know, uh, and so that gets really tough. You know, I, here's the thing with the lot with life. You know, we we kind of obviously like we're born into. A capitalist society, or some might argue now that it's a corporatist society um, where you gotta go to work uh, and you gotta make money to live and you gotta spend your money to like support the economy in this fucking weird thing that we're all kind of trapped inside of. And there's that corny but very fucking true phrase that, like, you know, find something you love you know and make it your job or whatever something like that and you'll never work a day in your life right um so as a young person that that would kind of be the thing like you know find out what like you'll know what them what drives you what that common denominator is whether that's like skateboarding you know and you're good enough to turn pro and if you're not good enough to turn pro then maybe work in the skate industry or you know um you're a guitar player you're not good enough to be in a band but you can you know whatever it might be like or you're just a fucking music fan and you want to be a music fan so how do you support being a music fan you know like there's a million different ways to do that but really it's like figure out what's that one thing that makes you want to get up in the day in the morning and then make it your fucking life you know what I mean and, like, don't worry about all the other shit. Like, you know, it's like I grew up, like, you gotta go to college and you gotta do this and you gotta do well, My parents were like that. My parents are divorced, but they're both like, you gotta go to college and all shit. I went to college, it didn't do a fucking goddamn thing. Did you graduate? Yeah. And did you, did you use a major? No. What did you major? I got a uh, bachelor's a BS in sociology, which is a pretty vague major. Yeah. You know, I wasn't in architecture or medicine or whatever. Um, but it's like, like I could have just fucking gone and got a job at Capitol Records or Sub Pop or fucking Epitaph or whatever, you know what I mean? Or mm. I, You know, I was in a, a band prior to going to college called Yuckmouth. And John Coyle, went, who actually sang and outspoken, played guitar, and but, you know, and I remember my mom's boyfriend be like, well, what are what you into, man? And I was like, I pl- I like to play music. Like, I'm, I'm really into my band. And he's like, then don't go to college, just do your band. Like, that was his advice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like, if I was there right at that moment, and I had the guts at that point in my life, I would've been like, it was a little too late, I'd already signed up for college and the tuition and stuff, but been like, fuck it, I'm not going to college, I'm just gonna ride this out with the band and see what happens. Because when I graduated college, I started a band. Mm. And I quit my job and just did a band for fucking eight years. Was that a bluebird? Yeah. Okay. And just did whatever I did to make money outside of the band. You know what I mean? And like, like I went to college and just to go. Cool. I'm gonna join another band now. And I did a band in college too. You know, so it's like my. I would tell a younger person like just like, figure out what you want to do and just do it and don't worry about it. Just do it. Right. Just do it. Say. Yeah. Or here? Just do it. Just do it, man. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Of course.